you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church. Thank God for His presence. Hallelujah. I don't know what I'd do without it. Amen. I'd probably be dead, full of sickness and disease. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Places I don't want to be. Glory to God. Our God is good. Do you know that? Who knows that this morning? I'm telling you, our God is good. Amen. His mercy is absolutely amazing. I feel, I'm just, I don't know, that, that theme that just keeps on kind of going over and over and over. I'm telling you, it absolutely blows me away that we have a God who created the heavens and the earth, put every star in the sky, created everything that you can visually see. And like we say, the things that you may not even see with your own eyes, meaning the angels and the cherubs and cherubim and everything else. Listen, he created all of those things and he created us, us and people that are in full of rebellion. And he still longs after us. He still shows up when we come to meet in his name, he, he is so, he's so good. He, he blows me away, church. He blows me away. Amen. He, he is just so good. Ugh. I guess you just got to leave it at that. He is just, he is so good. We don't deserve his goodness. Hmm. but he pours it out anyhow. What a God we serve, church. I'm telling you, it's so much better than the, than the God of your job. It's so, much, it's so much better than the God of your currency. It's so much better than the God of your distraction. It's so much better than the, than the God of, of school or, the, or you know, the whatever, whatever we've made God in our life. Listen, it's, he's so much better than that. I'm telling you, I've served them. I've, I've, I've served the God of money. I've served all the, all the different gods that are out there. Listen, I'm telling you, choose Jesus. He's so much better. He's so much better. He's worthy. He is absolutely worthy. Well, church, we, we're finally getting to the back third of our teaching on the gifts of Holy Spirit. The gifts of Holy Spirit. How many of y'all know that the Holy Spirit has gifts? Amen? Apparently you don't know. This is why we're teaching on these things. Like his Holy Spirit has gifts that he desires to give unto his people. Amen? They're called the charisma gifts, the gifts of grace. The gifts of Holy Spirit. And I would encourage you, church, as we're going through these things, listen, study. We're kind of gleaning over these. We're kind of smoothing right over the, right over the top of this, of this teaching. So listen, go back. Go back and study out these scriptures that we give. Study these things out for your own self. Listen to these teachings over and over and over again to where you can finally get to the place that we have an understanding that these gifts, they are for us today. They're not, they're not something that's been done away with. They're not something that's strange. They're not something that's weird. They're something that are for each and every one of us in the body of Christ right now. 
if we'll learn to yield unto him, if we'll put our faith and trust in him. Because I tell you, church, I, I truly believe this is one of the most dangerous things we can do as the body of Christ. One of the most dangerous things we can do as the church is, is what? We, we say we're going to serve Jesus, we're going to follow Jesus, yet we play down and discredit anything we don't like. Anything that we don't agree with, anything we don't believe in, oh, I don't really believe in that, that I don't care what it says, I don't really believe in that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to participate with that. Hmm? I don't like that, those things are weird, tongues are weird, I don't want to go to a church that's like that, no, no, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, I'm telling you, that stuff's dangerous. You say, why is that? Because listen, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this saying, but it was a saying we'd have back in Texas, right, that you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Amen, anyone heard that before? Listen, you don't, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. You say, why is that? Because you are sure to lose. If you come with a knife and someone else has a gun, you, I'm telling you, you will lose 100% of the time. I mean, you, we, don't, we don't do those things. We don't, we, don't, you, we, don't, we don't come with a weapon that is less advantageous for us to win. Right? You say, well, well, I don't really believe in guns. I mean, we are in Europe. I don't, I don't believe in guns. I believe in the more gentle way of fighting. I would like to just bring a knife. I just want to bring my fists to the fight. And then I'm going to hope and I'm going to hope and I'm going to hope that I somehow will win. Maybe their gun will jam and I will win. Hmm? I'm telling you, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. We as, the, we as the modern church, we better get to the place where we understand, you know, we, we've been reborn, our eyes have been opened to recognize we're in a spiritual battle. Hmm? There, is, there is a spiritual battle going on around us. I mean, we better, and if our eyes have been opened up to those things, we better start choosing the weapons that the Jesus, the Christ has told us to start playing with, start, start winning with. Why? So that we can ensue the victory. Huh? You say, well, Pastor, I thought you'd teach all the time in here that the victory is already won. The victory is already won. Amen. The victory is, is full-blown full completed, right? But if you'll find out there in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says, and they overcame him. They overcame darkness. They overcame. That, that word's a continual word in the Greek. They overcame, and they overcame, they overcame, they overcame, they overcame, they overcame. Had they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony? Had they overcome and overcome and overcome by the blood that Jesus shed for each and every one of us that protects us, that redeemed us, that made us new, that made us victorious? We are, we are overcome. We are, we, are, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by what? The word of the testimony. The word of whose testimony? Your testimony. What Jesus has done in your life. It's the words that you believe and speak out of your mouth. I'm telling you, church, what you believe matters. What you believe matters. You will overcome him. Yes, yes, Satan has been defeated. Yes, hell has been defeated. Yes, yes, you know, uh, the grave has been defeated. Death has been defeated. But listen, church, if you don't understand that Satan will come up against you and see if you know that they're defeated or not. And if you don't know they're defeated, he will whip your tail up and down the street, up around your house. He will destroy your life. Why? Because he has the ability to do it. If you can't enforce the victory. If you can't enforce the victory, you say, well, how do we enforce the victory? You better use the tools that Jesus has given us. 
right? The word, his presence, his spirit. You know, we've got to use all the tools that he's given us. The gifts of Holy Spirit. We've got to begin to use the tools that he has given to each and every one of us. Huh? I mean, it blows me away how much pride the body of Christ is in. Oh, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be a disciple of you. But you know what? I'll deal with things that I want to do. I'll do things the way I want to do it. Huh? I'll do things the way I want to do it. I don't need to follow your directions. I don't need to follow your gifts. I don't need those gifts. Those things. You know, we don't need those things. I, yeah, I don't need church. I don't need those things. No, no, I'll do things the way I want to do it. And then you know what happens? Then we start blaming him. I can't believe you didn't come through for me on this. I can't believe you didn't help me out on this. I can't believe you didn't heal me. I can't believe you didn't do this. We blame him. When it's all our fault, I'm telling you, this stuff is disgusting. It's disgusting. We have to make a shift on these things. We're going to continue to get beat up and down. Just like, just like the Holy Spirit was saying to our brother back there. Listen, there is, a, there is a change coming in this world. I'm telling you, as much as we've seen the churches empty out, they're going to start filling back up again, bringing the, brigad, bringing the biggest harvest that this world has ever seen right before Jesus comes back. But are we going to be prepared for it? You're not going to be prepared if you're going to do things your way and the way you want to do it. Oh, come on, church. Am I just talking to myself here today? Amen? I'm telling you, if you want to be victorious, listen, we're going to have to start doing things the way Jesus says. Otherwise, we are going to be defeated. Amen? But say, not me. Say, not me. And if you can believe that, say, not me. I mean, it's not going to happen to me. Say, it's not me. Why? Because we're going to attend to his word. We're going to incline, incline our ears unto his sayings. Amen. Do the things that he's asked us to do. Yield unto them. And I'm telling you, I promise you, you will be victorious. Why? Because see, at Romans 11:29, he, you know, the Lord speaking through Paul here, he gives us a real critical statement here. He says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. The gifts, that's the same thing we're talking on here. It's the charisma, the charisma gifts, the gifts of grace, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and his clases, his divine call upon your life. They are without repentance. They don't change. It doesn't matter if you want to do it, you don't want to do it. You want to be victorious, you don't want to be victorious. You want to do what he asks us to do or you don't. It doesn't matter if you're ignorant or how rebellious you are. These things don't change. God says, listen, I don't, I'm not changing my mind just because you're in rebellion. I'm not going to change my mind just because you're ignorant to the things that I've spoken here. I put them in place. I put them in your hands. Now, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Hmm? And this, this is where we get here in our foundational scriptures in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Hmm? The Lord says, be not ignorant. He goes, concerning the spiritual gifts or the nomadic costs. He says, don't be ignorant. Don't be ignorant of the way the Lord desires to do things. Why? Because he's not changing. We need to change. He's not changing. He says, don't be ignorant of my spiritual, the way I do things in the spirit. Don't be ignorant of the things of Holy Spirit. He goes, you were Gentiles in verse 2. You were Gentiles following after idols, following after things that couldn't even speak. You're following after money. You're following after people. You're following after junk. He goes, but now you're following after God. He'll speak to you. 
he'll speak to you. So anyone, anyone that gets up and the, and, the, and, and the public gifts start going into, into fruition and someone says by the Holy Spirit that, that uh, Jesus is Lord, you can, you can rest assured that's by the Spirit, why it lines up with the Word of God. But anyone say that Jesus is a curse, you can, you can rest assured that's not, it's not, it's not by the Holy Spirit. It's by a familiar spirit, it's by a different spirit right? He says, why? Because what is that in verse, in verse three? He goes, there's diversities of gifts, but it's the same spirit. There's diversities of the Holy Spirit. He has, he has diversities of gifts, excuse me, the different gifts, but it's the same spirit. There's nine different gifts of the spirit. He operates in nine different gifts. He can operate them in different ways through different people, but it's not a different spirit that he's given to each person. He didn't give me a different spirit than he gave Pam or he gave Renee or Bridget. No, it's the same spirit, but he works his gifts through them as he so wills or he so chooses, according to verse 11. He says there's a difference of ministrations, but it's the same Lord. There's different ways of operating, but it's the same God. We know this way. The Father, what does he do? He initiates. Jesus, he administrates, and Holy Spirit demonstrates. This is the unity of Trinity. Hmm? This is unity of Trinity. And you jump on down to... To verse 7, it says, For the manifestation of the Spirit, of Holy Spirit, that is, is given what? To every man to profit with all. The manifestation, the appearing forth, the unveiling of Holy Spirit to, to unveil Jesus unto you is given what? To every single Holy Ghost-filled, Bible-believing Christian or disciple of Christ to what? To profit the church and to profit people outside the church. Hmm? And he starts telling us what those manifestations look like. What are, what, are the, what are the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? They are the gifts of the Spirit. It is, it is when we were talking, we would break them up in three different categories. We, we've already talked about the gifts that reveal something. What are those? Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, discerning of spirits. We just finished off the power gifts last week. These gifts that do something. It's special faith. It is gifts of healing. It's working of miracles. And then we're going to jump into the utterance gifts or the vocal gifts this week. The gifts that say something. Hmm? prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretations of tongues. So what are the utterance or what are the, the vocal gifts? They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit by a spoken word, by a spoken word, by a statement, or by a vocal sound. You say, why do you say a vocal sound? Because tongues are like a vocal sound. You may not have a clue what's coming out of someone's mouth, but it's a vocal sound. But it is a manifestation of Holy Spirit. It's an unveiling, it's a revealing of Holy Spirit. Now listen, we can, when we talk about these gifts, we got to know that just like the rest of these gifts, especially with the, with the vocal gifts, they are intertwined with many of the other gifts. But we separate them individually. Why? Because the Word of God does. Amen. So we can understand what they are when he's desiring to operate these through us. You say, what am I talking about? Listen, a word of prophecy or discerning of, uh, or, uh, excuse me, a word of prophecy or, or a diverse kind of the tongues with an interpretation of tongues, many times will come with a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. I mean, it's just the way they come. It's when God's speaking forth for you or foretelling for you, it comes with a, a word of knowledge or, or, a, or a word of wisdom. Amen. They, they work hand in hand together, but they're two separate gifts in operation, right? So what is, what is prophecy? What is the, the gift of prophecy? Well, as Brother Hagen would, uh, would define it, because listen, I, I believe this is one of the most confused gifts in the body of Christ. Amen. 
but the word prophecy, simply put, the simple definition would be prophecy is a supernatural utterance in a known tongue. Why? Because the diverse kind of tongues are a supernatural utterance in a, in a tongue you don't understand in an unknown tongue. Right, so prophecy is simply put, amen, a supernatural utterance or spoken word by the Holy Spirit in a known tongue. Now, concerning the, the significance or the importance in these utterance gifts, I usually don't go this direction because I believe every single one of them are all equally important. But according to the word of God, it says that prophecy usurps, amen, the rest of them. Right now, let me, let me prove this out here in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. It says, I will that you all spoke in tongues. I will that you all spoke in tongues, but rather that you prophesy. Now, now, now let me give you a little bit of, of background information of what's going on here. Because see, the, the church at Corinth was, was a church that flew in gifts like no other church did at that time. And listen, they'd have church services where, where people would stand up. They'd have hours of people just speaking in tongues. Speaking in, I'm not talking about praying in the Spirit. I'm talking about the public gift of speaking in tongues where people weren't getting anything out of it because there was an interpretation. So Paul, by the Holy Ghost, was bringing some balance back into the church and saying, listen, listen, listen. I want every single one of you to operate in the gift of tongues to when we come into, when we come into a, a church service or, or a you know, family gathering or meeting, listen, church, that you will speak in tongues, amen, as the Spirit gives you utterance and, and interpretation come on the back. So I want everyone to do that. But instead of just speaking in tongues, I will that you prophesy. Why? Because prophecy is greater than he that speaks with tongues except what? Except someone interprets. So you could say prophecy is the greatest of the gifts of, with the utterance gifts, except if, if tongues and interpretations of tongues are working hand in hand, then they're equal. Then they're equal. Amen? Then, then, then they're equal. Then, then, there's no, then one doesn't usurp the other. They're equal, but you have to have interpretations. You say, why is that? Because God wants to edify the church. God's desire is to build up the church. God wants us to understand the things that are getting ministered to. God wants us to understand so he can encourage us, he can build us up, he can comfort us, whatever he desires to do. But, but he, we have to be able to understand so our, our mind and our spirit can comprehend the things together, right? So your heart can, can, can grow up in the things of God. Now listen, prophecy or any other gift in operation. These are not about tearing down the church. They're not about tearing down people that are in the congregation. They're about building people up. I mean, you say, well, then, well, then why do we get so much correction on some of these words? Because correction should be building you up. Amen. But it's not calling you out to embarrass you or to harm you or to destroy you or public humiliate you. Amen. They're there to build you up. Even if it is correction, it can build us up and make us stronger in the things of God. Why? Because this is how our God operates. He's there to, you know, maybe need to shave some things off, but then he'll, he'll build us up into who he's desiring us to be. So prophecy. Prophecy is used in the Old Testament, both and the New Testament. The interesting thing here, as most of us know in here, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. Right, so there's two different definitions if you, if you look at what is actually going on here. You know, the, the, the Hebrew word for, for prophesying or prophecy means to, to flow forth. It means to flow forth like, like into like a fountain or a river flowing forth. It's a continual stream flowing up out of your spirit. Now, if you look on the, in the Greek side of things, the Greek word for prophecy simply means to speak for another. Amen. To speak for another, and speak for another like into the mind and the counsel of God, like you're, you're speaking for God himself. 
So if you combine these two together, you can actually get a, get a true definition of what prophecy is. Amen. It is, it is words flow, it's speaking for God with words flowing forth by the Holy Spirit like a river from the, on the inside of you. You say, what, what does that mean? That means that, that words of prophecy, they come from your spirit. They don't come from your mind. Let me say that again. A prophetic word, it comes from your spirit, man, coming forth like a fountain on the inside of you, speaking for God. Not, it doesn't come out of your mind. It doesn't come out of the things that you think. Why? Because it's a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, right? It's according to, to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a manifestation. It's appearing forth an unveiling of the Holy Spirit to unveil Jesus, Amen. It is an unveiling of the Holy Spirit. It's not about what you know. It's not about who you know. It's not about what you studied. It's not about, it's not about wisdom or knowledge that you may have attained. It's not about training that you've had. Amen. It's about leading from the Holy Spirit, right? See, contrary to what you, what you may find or you may think or you may find on the internet, listen, you don't go to prophesying school to learn how to prophesy. You don't get a PhD in prophesying. Oh, now I know how to prophesy. Now I can get in front of the church and learn how to prophesy. Listen, you'll get yourself in trouble. You'll get yourself in trouble that way. Why? Because prophesying comes from Holy Spirit. You want to learn how to prophesy? You want to learn how to, how to flow in the gifts of the Spirit? You better get your around, yourself around people that flow in these gifts. Right? Because I don't know what it is. It's like, it's like this anointing. It gets splashed on other people when you're around them as, as things are beginning to flow. You don't, you don't, you're not going to figure it out on your own. You're not going to figure it out by, by, by reading a book about, no, get around people. Get consumed where these gifts are flowing, and that anointing will get on you as well. Why? Because the Holy Ghost wants you to do it. He wants you to participate with these things. I mean, it's just like, it's just like uh, uh, Brethren A and Sister Bridget back there. Listen, they, they, they flow in the gifts of prophecy a lot. Words of wisdom and words of knowledge. They, they, they flow in those things. Amen. They flow, but listen, it's not because they went to a school to do it. Hmm? No, it's, it's an unction from Holy Spirit. I mean, you want to learn how to do these things? Listen, come to church. Go to a church that actually flows in the gifts. Amen. Come up to me or, or Pastor Kimberly and, and say, listen, I, I, think, I think the Lord's been speaking this to me. I think this has been going on in service. Listen, and we'll help you to go through these things. Listen, Renee and Bridget, when they first started coming here, they just didn't jump up and do the things that they wanted to do. No, they came to me and Kimberly before every single time they got a word. Hey, this is exactly what the Holy Spirit said. He's been speaking this. What do you think about that? I think that's of the Holy Spirit. Go up there and tell over and over and over again until I said, listen, you don't need to come to me. I trust the Spirit of God on the inside of you. I trust Holy Spirit in you. Because every time you've given something, it's always lined up with my spirit and it's lined up with the word. You go ahead, right? You want, you want to learn how to operate in these things? Listen, you, there's, there's, a, there's a way to do these things. Amen. Trust will be brought forth and we can, we can begin to minister. But listen, don't, don't for a second think that we're not, we don't have the ability to get corrected on these things. All right? I right, say so this is a family. When, when the gifts are flowing, listen, listen, we have to have the ability to correct things when things are off. Right? We have to allow correction to go forth when things get off. Why? Because this is his family. This is God's family. And we put leadership in place to make sure things are moving in the right direction. I mean, it goes the same way with, 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 with people that teach. I mean, people that anyone that teaches from a pulpit in this church or a church down in Dundalk that I have authority over, I listen to every single message that comes out of that. Why? Are you trying to, are you trying to check on them and make sure that they're, they're doing a good job? Yes. Why? Because they're ministering into the churches that God has put us responsible. I listen to every single message, whether I'm there or not. Why? So I, if I need to bring correction, I can bring correction. Right? 
If I need to bring encouragement, I can bring encouragement. Not in a bad way. This is a good thing. Accountability is a good thing, church. The things we got we got to understand. Listen, churches, we don't. You can't flip these gifts on and off as you so choose. You know, I've been, I've been in meetings that people, they're, they're, they're sitting there talking about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. They come up and lay hands on people to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they just, you, you hear them speaking in tongues. They say, all right, now turn around and prophesy to the people. Turn around and prophesy to the people. That's insane, church. You say, why is it? You don't flip the switch on and off. It says the Holy Spirit, according to, to, to verse 11, it says the Holy Spirit wills you to do these things. Now, that doesn't mean that someone may not have a prophetic word coming upon them and they turn around, that's all right. But listen, to have 50 people lined up here and tell each of them to turn around and prophesy somebody in church, that's dangerous. That's, that's opening up the door for familiar spirits to come to where you're listening to them instead of Holy Spirit, right? We need to pay attention on what, how, the, how the, but this is our foundation, and the word. The word is our foundation. If we'll, if we'll allow it to guide us and listen to spiritual leadership, listen, church, we'll, we'll be in good shape. And remember, we got to allow these things to move forward in the direction that the Lord has for us. Amen? Not just deciding to turn things on and off as we so choose. Let me get back to that verse we're in, in chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians. But go to verse 1. He says, follow after charity. Follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Follow after love, desiring spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. Now listen, church, I, I don't know if I can stress this enough, but we are going to have to follow after love first. You have to follow after Jesus first. You have to follow after his agape love first. And see, when we follow after those things first and let his love and his, his compassion consume us, then you won't be people just desiring after spiritual gifts. You'll find they'll begin to operate through you. You say, why is that? Because the Lord can trust you. I mean, you're not, you're not there trying to build up your own platform to do the things that how you want to do it and become famous and rich, right? But you'll, but you'll flow with him and he'll do the things that, that he's desiring to do as we work with him. But he says, follow after love first. Follow after love. Why? Because it's not about self-promotion. Follow after love first. And allow his compassion and his gifts to begin to flow through you. But desire these spiritual gifts. That's the second point I want to make. That word gives you permission to desire after spiritual gifts. See, I think a lot of us in the church are like, oh, I don't know if I ought to be desiring your coat. Listen, listen, Holy Spirit right here in this word right here, he says, listen, it's okay. I'm giving you permission, desire to operate in the spiritual gifts, desire for him to operate in you, especially to prophesy, especially to prophesy. I like how Smith Wigglesworth says this in, in his book on, on uh, the gifts of the spirit. He says, it is good to covet are good to desire these gifts and people and desire to have them. He says it's not good, it's not, it's not scriptural to covet things or possessions people have, but to covet the, the move of the Holy Spirit through people and how he uses people should be coveted, right? 
So what does that mean? That means you don't covet the car that, that I would drive. You don't covet the house that we'd have. You don't covet my wife or my bank account. Listen, that stuff, it's not scriptural to covet or desire. But listen, he does say we can't covet or desire the move of the Spirit. You can't covet and desire the move of the Spirit, especially when it's coming through people. Listen, I desire the gifts, how they flow through my pastor, through Brother Hagen, through Lester Sumrall, Smith Wigglesworth, the people I've said. I desire those through Ben Priest even. I desire how these gifts flow. And see, you know, at Kimberly and myself, we flow similarly the way our pastors do. You say, why is that? Because we, we, this, is, this is where we got the touch. This is where we, we saw the gifts flowing and we we're desiring. That known thing just seems to, to get sloshed off over onto you. Hmm? But we got a desire after we have the ability. We can desire these things. You say, why is that important? Why, why does the Holy Spirit say desire and covet, desire and covet after these spiritual gifts? That sounds such like a negative thing. Listen, covet is a strong word that the, that the word uses here. And you say, why is that? Because he wants you to have an absolute be ate up with the passion of him to be able to flow through you. You say, why is that? Because he's not going to do it without you coveting and desiring for these things to happen. Why? Because he is a perfect gentleman. He will not force himself upon you. If you have something forcing itself upon you, I'm telling you, it's not Holy Spirit. It's a different kind of spirit. Our spirit is, man, the Holy Spirit is gentle. And he's consumed. But see, see, there's, there's something amazing about our, our God. Listen, he has such a jealous desire to be wanted by you. He has a jealous desire for you to want him and to want him to move in you, to want his kingdom, his gifts, his culture to begin to flow. He has a desire for that. One of my favorite verses in the word of God, James chapter four, verse five, uh, the passion translation, the spirit, he goes, he goes, does this not mean anything to you that the spirit that God has breathed into our hearts, he's a jealous lover for you and he wants more and more and more of you. He's jealous for you. Oh, I'm just waiting on God. No, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to get a hunger and a thirst after him because he already has it for you. He's jealous for us. If we'll just allow him to be who he's called to be in our life and come after him with everything that we had. Amen. Because I love that he is a jealous lover seeking after us. Here in verse 2 it says, Is this for he that speaks in an unknown tongue? Speaks not unto men, but in God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the spirit he speaks mysteries. He speaks mysteries. Listen, when an unknown tongue is spoken, listen, God understands what's being said. He's the one that can give the interpretation. But people, they don't, they don't understand it. You, you, can't, you can't understand these things. It's not beneficial for the church just to have tongues going forth and nothing else to accomplish, uh, to accompany it. Right? How, would, how many of you would like us to sit in here and, and speak in tongues for an hour straight? Would you get more from that? Or would you get more from me saying five words in the English language? Of course, you're going to get more when five words, because you can understand those, you can process those, you can receive those. Otherwise, you need the Holy Spirit, amen, to, to, to give you the interpretation on it. But the interpretation has to come in our, in our language, in our tongue that we can understand, right? He says in verse three, he says, but he that prophesieth, Speaking unto men, edification, exhortation, and comfort. He that prophesies speaks unto men, edification, exhortation, and comfort. If you want to know the biblical 
purpose of prophesying. This is it. Full stop. You want to know what prophesying looks like in the modern church? It's to do three things. It is to edify, exhort, and it is to comfort. You say, well, well how, do I know if, how do I know if it's, you know, it's from the Holy Spirit? Because you can say a lot of things that are just comforting and exhorting to people. You can say a lot of those. How do you know it's from the Holy Ghost? Because anything the Holy Spirit speaks will always line up with your spirit and it'll line up with the Word of God. 100% of the time, you'll never disagree with the Word of God and it won't disagree with your spirit. This is why it's so important for us to get in tune with the Holy Spirit on the inside of us because this is where Holy Spirit is smeared. He's anointed upon what? Your spirit. I mean, He'll let you know if things are right, if they're of God or if they're not of God, right? So it says they're to edify. What does the edify mean? Well, if you look in the lexicon, it says to instruct or improve someone morally or intellectually. And I think that's a pretty weak description of that. But if you go to, uh, if you go to the actual Greek word, okadome, it tells us that it, it means to build up or to charge up. That's the literal meaning of it, to build up or to charge up. You say to build up, what does that mean? It means there is a foundation that's being laid. It is the presence of God. It is the spirit of God. Amen. It has been laid. Now prophecy, what we'll do, it will build up upon the foundation of the word, upon his presence. Just like when you put up the walls, the two by fours or the bricks, you know, laying up a house and then you put up the interior walls and you put on the second floor, then you, then you put on the roof and you put on the shingles or, or, you, or, uh, the tiles on the roof, you, you're building it up, but it comes off of a foundation. And prophecy will build off of that foundation. It has to line up with the Word of God. It has to line up with His presence. But it'll also charge you up. Amen. I like that word, charging. It charges us up. I mean, we, we live in this world, which is the most, it seems to me, one of the most ridiculous things I think I've ever heard of in my life, where they think we're going to go to electric cars by, by 2030. Amen. Well, we'll see how that gets on. I believe Jesus is coming back before that, but, but they seem to be pushing forward with that with everything they can. But listen, what happens if you get out in an electric car and you're driving down to Cork and you don't, and you don't have any uh, ability or anywhere to stop and charge that vehicle? You know what's going to happen when you get about 200, 300 miles? It's going to stop. Why? Because it's going to lose its charge. It's going to have no power to go. Then you know what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to go get one of those you know, petrol or diesel burning generators and come charge up your car again. Right, so it can get enough power to move on down the way. See, it's the same thing as what a prophetic word will do when you're running low because you're getting beat up, you're getting hammered on, you're doing the work of God, you're doing the things that he's asked you to do, and you're getting beat on and beat on. Your charge gets a little low, but that prophetic word can, can bring life back on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit can start launching things off on the inside of you, charge you back up to where you're ready to go out and do what the Lord's asked you to do again. Right? It's a prophetic word. It's an unction directly from Holy Spirit. Say edify, to exhort. What is to exhort? To encourage. To encourage you. I mean, everyone needs a little bit of encouraging time to time. And especially when you're out, when you're out doing the work that, that God's asking you to do. Why? Because no one seems to care. And, and listen, you're, getting, you're, you're, you're coming in contact with spiritual battles around you. Listen, sometimes it's nice to have a little bit of encouragement. And as nice as it is to have it from an individual, individual person come up to you and encourage you, oh, it's so much better when it comes from Holy Spirit. I mean, when there's a word that goes forth and it's, it's like, man, I've been praying about that. Oh, and the Holy Ghost just starts speaking. It starts, starts laying out answers. starts talking to you, you know, from the pulpit. It starts talking to you about someone that grabs a hold of you on the street, just talks to you via the Holy Spirit. And it's powerful, and it'll charge you up. 
It will encourage you and charge you up to do the things that God's asked you to do. Amen. Hmm? They'll comfort you. It's to edify, exhort, and to comfort you. And then the words going forth, Holy Spirit is not going to bring forth words there to, to chop you into bits. He's not there to embarrass you. He's not there to harm you. He's there to comfort you. It's, you know, when, when prophetic words go forth, I, I always liken this like a, it's like a blanket just getting wrapped around you, like, the, like a warm blanket and the Holy Ghost just wrapping you. Say, I know those things. I know what you're dealing with. He just, he just pulls you close together. And you get comforted by these words. Why? Because our Holy Spirit, listen, Holy Spirit doesn't speak to your mind. Hmm? Satan will speak to your mind. That's why you better learn to get your mind in check. You better learn to govern your mind. This is where, this is where the outside of the spiritual realm will speak. Amen. But Holy Spirit, he speaks right to your heart. Hmm. Those hidden things of the heart. He knows you're dealing with other people don't know you're dealing with. Amen. He will comfort you with those things. Here in verse 4, it says that he that speaks in an unknown tongue, he says he edifies himself. He builds up, he charges up himself. But he that prophesies, he builds up the church. He builds up the church. I mean, how many of you know that, that God wants to edify and build up the church? When you, when you just speak in tongues and tongues and tongues and tongues and tongues, no one's getting edified from it. Right? Now listen, I'm not talking about praying in the Spirit. We're talking about the, the public gift and operation. No one gets edified from it. But a word of prophecy, it will edify you. But see, the thing is, when an interpretation comes on the backside of that tongue or a prophetic word goes forth, how many of you know that there's more scrutiny that's involved with that? Hmm? You say, why is that? Because people understand what you're saying. They can comprehend. They can, they can weigh the things that are coming from the pulpit. They can weigh the things that are coming forth ministering unto the people. Amen. Listen, there's a little more pressure involved in those things when people are weighing it out. But see, that's not a scary thing. We shouldn't get scared or in fear to do these things because people can weigh them out. I mean, it's a good thing that people can weigh them out. It's a good thing. Why? Because if you're speaking by the Holy Spirit, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you know you're on track. You know, you know it's Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter, right? But see, we need a little bit of accountability in the church, <laughs> Amen. Accountability is a good thing in the church. Accountability over finances, accountability over anything that's going on, accountability over the gifts of the Spirit. And see what happens when the gifts are going forth. We're all accountable. They're, you know, they're, they're, we know what Renee's saying. We know what Bridget's saying. We know what Kimberly's saying. We know what I'm saying. And we can weigh those things. Why? Because sometimes people, they, they can get off in the ditch and get carnal in things. But see, if we have a little bit of accountability, people in charge, people in leadership, Amen. It can correct things and get, and get things moving in the right direction because people don't move in that direction because they're doing it on purpose. Huh? People make mistakes. They may not even recognize it. Amen, but they stepped into it. But praise God for accountability in the church. Why well, doesn't give the Lord a bad name, right? Right? Now listen. How are we doing on time here? Not too terribly. Yeah, let's go there. Um, listen, don't confuse the ministry of the prophet with prophesying. I think this is another thing that's very important for us to understand. We can't confuse the office of a prophet 
with prophesying. You say, why is that? Because the office of a prophet is just that. It's a, it's a five-fold ministry gift office. It is a person that is leading in the church. They're teaching. They're preaching. They're leading in the church. There is, there is the gift of prophecy in Romans chapter 12. It is an office as well, but it's an office of prophecy. It's not the one leading the church, right? We can't confuse these things. Why? Because depending on what denomination you've grown up in, some, some may even say that, 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 that uh, preaching is prophesying. That's, that, is, that is insane. You say, why is that? Because preaching is not prophesying. What is preaching? It's announcing. It's, it is crying out. It's proclaiming. It's crying out. This is what the word preaching means. It doesn't mean prophesying. Those are two separate words. Yet, you can prophesy when you are preaching. Amen. If you're clued in, if, you're, if you are clued in to the unction of the Holy Spirit, you'll recognize many times when we're preaching here, prophecy will, will come forth in our preaching. Amen, but it doesn't mean that preaching is prophesying. It means a prophetic word came out while we were preaching, right? You understand that? Amen, why? Because preaching is not prophesying, but prophesying can be in preaching. You know, uh, a pastor that, that we know from back in the States, his name is Mark Brzee. You know, he was a, he's a guy that flows, flows in the Holy Spirit. He's a wonderful teacher. And he was ministering at one of our conferences in, in Galveston several years back. And he got up and he was starting ministering. And he always makes a statement, you know, I'm just trying to find a place to land. I'm trying to find a place to land. And that's because he's so high in the spirit. He's trying to find a place to come down and start teaching the word of God. But he could never land that day. And I can remember going to some of our friends' house after that, that meeting. And they're like, man, that was the strangest, strangest thing we've ever heard from, from Pastor Mark. It was good, though, but it was different. And I was like, he prophesied for an hour to us. Did you, did you not get that unction on the inside of us? It was a prophetic word for about an hour, you know, you know, speaking to God's people. He wasn't preaching. He was preaching, but he was prophesying, you know, that the Spirit of God came upon him, and he began to prophesy why he was preaching. Amen. But those things are two different things. We've got we to gotta understand the difference in those. Revelations 19.10. Revelations 19.10 tells us, tells us that, the testimony of Jesus, it is the spirit of prophecy. Now, when, when John got this word, he came down to bow down at a man in heaven when he was up in heaven. And this guy said, listen, don't bow down to me. He goes, I'm a man just like you are. I'm a man like you are. No, worship God. Worship God. He said, why? Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Say, what does that mean? That means when we, when we testify of Jesus, you have the ability to prophesy merely when we're, when we're given a testimony. I mean, why do, why do you think the, 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 the Lord and, and churches want us to, to give testimonies? Why? Because you have the ability to prophesy right in the midst of giving a testimony, just a lowly testimony. You get up and you start talking about how God has saved you, brought you forth out of the grave, raised you back into life, and this is what I did. Listen, sometimes prophecy will just start hammering out of the inside of you. The Holy Ghost will take a, take a hold and you'll start speaking things you didn't even know were in you. Oh, my Lord, where'd that come from? It was a, a, prophetic, a prophetic word coming through you. Huh? But the thing is, you got to fight against that, that little bit when your knees go to knocking, when the Lord's telling you to, to go do something for him, and you're, and you're getting all in fear, like, oh, I don't want to be made a fool of. You're going to have to step, step past that, amen, and allow Holy Spirit to begin to use you if you desire for the gift of prophecy to work through you, amen. The, giving a testimony of what Jesus done is the easiest way, amen, for this gift to begin to operate through you, huh? It's a gift to edify you, exhort people, 
It'll comfort them if we allow Jesus to use it through us, right? But we've got to fight back, fight back that flesh. See, I think the problem with many of us Christians are we're like, oh, I want Jesus to use us. I want the gifts. I've been praying for the gifts. I want the gifts. I want the gifts to flow through me. But anytime we get the unction, we'll never step out and do anything about it. I mean, I'm telling you, I know, I get up, I, I've got up here and in different churches, and I say, I know there's a tongue, there's a, there's a diverse uh, tongue that, that, that's, that's moving. Just like last week, we, there was another word that was still, you know, you know uh, moving upon, upon the church here, but no one, no one gave it. When I, when I ask for a tongue, listen, I, I usually always have the tongue myself, but I'm trying to get the church to begin to work with us. Why? Because I want to encourage you to step out in what the Holy Ghost is spending. And listen, I, I know that I know that I know I've seen it. I've sensed it on people and they just sit there. Oh, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? And you never allow the Holy Spirit to operate through you. Hmm? We, got, we got to learn to step out when we have that unction. Step out and have that unction and give the Holy, the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work through us. Now listen, I'll, I'll try to finish up with this. Turn here to, to Acts chapter 21. Let me give you an example here. I think may help you. One that we know very well. In Acts chapter 21, let's just start off in, in verse 8. Now this is when Paul was on his way to, to Jerusalem to where he got put in bounds and then, and then headed back to Rome, amen, to where he could minister into, you know, all the, all the royal palace there. And it says there in verse 8, it says, And the next day, when we were a Paul's company, uh, excuse me, let me say that again. And the next day, we that were of Paul's company departed and came into Caesarea, where we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and we abode with him. One of the seven, he's talking about he was one of the seven uh, deacons chosen in Acts chapter 6. And in verse 9 it says, And the same man had four daughters, they were virgins, they weren't married, and they did prophesy. He said, this man Philip, he had four daughters by this time, they were unmarried women, and they did prophesy. He didn't say they were prophetesses, this isn't a noun, he didn't say they were prophetesses with a noun, he says, no, they prophesied, this was a verb that was used, amen, they were, they were prophesied. Or they prophesied. It says, and we tarried there for, for many days. And there came from Judea a prophet. Now we're prophet, that, that's a noun. I mean, these four girls prophesied with a verb. Now came a prophet that is a noun. And his name was Agabus. And he came to him and he, he took Paul's girdle and he bound his hands and his feet. And he said, thus saith the Holy Ghost, so shall the Jews in Jerusalem bind the man that owns this girdle and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So when the prophet came, amen, he prophesied. He started giving a prophetic word unto, unto Paul that had what? A word of wisdom along with it saying, listen, the man that owns this girdle, he's going to get tied up, locked up, just like I locked you up right here. Amen. You say, well, does that, does that really come? him? Did that edify him? That build him up? Absolutely it did because every city Paul was going to, the Holy Spirit was telling listen, when you go there, get prepared. I need you to get prepared. I need you to get prepared. I need you to get prepared because when you go to Jerusalem, you're going to get locked up. Amen. You're going to get locked up but, but, but be prepared because I'm going to allow you to minister there. When you minister there, oh, you're going to do a good job and I'm going to open up the door for you to go to Rome. Right? He was building them up on the things that he was doing there. If you turn back to to, to 1 Corinthians 14. Where is that, Lord? Yeah, in, ver in verse 29 here. 
He says, let the prophets speak, two or three, and let the others judge. And if anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be comforted. Now the difference in the ministry and the prophet and prophesying, because those are two different things, right? The prophet, he will prophesy, absolutely. Amen, but he also operates in the revelation gifts, right? You'll find that out from this verse here in verse 30. It says, if, it goes, if, in any, if anything be revealed, that word reveal is the same word talking about the revelation gifts, meaning if a, if a word of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning a spirit starts getting revealed to another one, the one that's standing up prophesying, listen, they can hold their peace, they can stop, and they can let that, the revelation come from the, the other prophet that's sitting next to them. Amen. And then let, let everyone else judge what's going on. He says, but we may all prophesy one by one, right? So that we can all be comforted, that we can all be comforted. Prophecy is always for comfort, church. We may all prophesy, but we may not all be prophets. You say, why is this important? The office of a prophet is a calling from God. It's not, it's not a right to the believer. All right? Prophesying is a right to the believer. A right to a Holy Ghost-filled believer. But the office of a prophet is not a right. It's an office that the Lord picks you up and places you into. You say, well, what's the big deal on that? Because listen, you know, there's a lot of people nowadays that they want, they want to start adding this word prophet to their name because they think it brings them some kind of recognition. Amen. But they, bring, they may be recognized, but they may not be appointed. And listen, if we're not appointed to be one, listen, church, you get tested by the adversary where you begin to claim you're, you are. That can be a very dangerous place to be if you're not ready for it. Hmm? So what do we do? I, I, I say you could be, we need to be like how my pastor always explained it to me. He says, you never need to walk around proclaiming what you are, what you think you are, or who you may be. You don't need to walk around saying, oh, I'm a prophet. Let me put it on my business card. I'm a, you know, I'm a pastor. Let me put it on my business card. I am an apostle. Let me put it on my, you don't need to go around because listen, I know, I know there's a lot of people that don't think prophets and apostles exist anymore. And this is why a lot of that comes out because they're trying to show people that they do. And I get that. Amen. But we need to be very careful. You don't need to go announcing who you are trying to get recognition. If you just go around, listen, the gifts that are upon you will be proven out and people will recognize what you are. People will recognize the anointing that's upon you. People will recognize the gifting that's placed upon you. You don't need to go proclaim those things. People can see it. They're not fools. Amen. But don't get yourself in trouble starting to proclaim things, starting to desire things or start saying, I am this, hoping that it will come to fruition. Why? Because Satan will try to prove you wrong. Amen. You may not have that anointing to back it up, right? See, there's, let me give this as an example. We'll, we will end with this. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the scriptures tell us, do not grieve Holy Spirit. It says, despise not prophesying. Despise not prophesying. But listen, keep your ears open to everything that, that's going forth. Judge it, amen, and hold to that which is good. Right? He says, despise not prophesying. Why? Because there, you know, there's in a lot of places things get out of order, and there's a lot of prophesying going. That's not of Holy Spirit. 
right? And he says, don't despise those things. Why? Because you'll grieve Holy Spirit. He goes, no, listen to the things that are going forth. Just grab a hold of what's real and, what's, and, and kick out what's not real, right? Hold on to what's true. See, there's a, an example. This would be a, there's a guy back in the U.S. He was actually from the Houston area. He, he was an engineer for NASA, meaning he was a super, super smart man, right? A lot smarter than me. Amen. He was an engineer for NASA, and he was, a, he was prolific in the Word of God, loved to study the Word of God, knew, knew could teach the Word of God, but he became a prophet, or you could say a self-proclaimed prophet, and he began to, 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 to put out books and do different things, and he came out with a, a famous book. Maybe some of you have heard of it. Amen. It was a book that was 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back to Rapture of the Church in 1988, Right? He said, listen, I, I've studied the word of God. i got enough knowledge. I know who I am. I'm, I'm writing a book. Jesus is coming back and, and, and they received his church in 1988. You know what happened? Nothing. So you know what he did? He wrote another book. Why Jesus is coming back in 1989. I, I, I messed that up. I messed that up. I, I missed this calculation. Jesus is coming back in 1989. And listen, you got, you got preachers, you got pastors, you got apostles, you got all, you know, giving these books to everyone. They're basing, they're putting it like in the foundation of the church. You better get ready. You better get ready. You better get ready. You know what happened in 1989? Nothing. Why? We're still here. He wrote another book in 1993 says, and 23 reasons why Jesus is going to come receive his church in 1993. You know what happened? Nothing. So he said, you know, I'm going to give this one more go. In 1994, Jesus is going to come back and receive his church. And you know what happened? He destroyed his ministry. But see, he not only destroyed his own ministry, he destroyed many of these other churches that were proclaiming these things. Listen, you know, people are like, you know, I don't know if I'm going to follow you. You're sitting there thinking these things are accurate. You, you, you have the Holy Ghost in you. You said these things are right and wrong, and they are wrong. He goes, I'm not following you. Many churches shut down that were supporting us. Amen. I'm telling you, church, we better, we better understand. We better know what's of God, what's of Holy Spirit, and what's not of God. Right? Because there's repercussions to it. I mean, I wouldn't, follow, I wouldn't follow a church that was supporting that either. Why? Well, you're going to spiritually spiritual lead us when you can't hear from the Holy Ghost on that? Did you even pray about that before you're telling the whole church to go buy the book? I mean, people started you know, getting mortgages that they never intended to pay back, getting double mortgages, buying things they couldn't afford, and saying, oh, everything's grand. We're going to be gone next year. Praise the Lord. And what happened? Jesus still waiting on the church to get ready. Hmm? Cost people everything they had. Why? Because this wasn't their foundation. Anytime we think we get above this, I'm going to tell you something, church. You're off. You're in the ditch. Jesus himself says, listen, you will know the season. And church, I'm telling you, we are in the season. He said, you will know the season. He goes, but I don't even know the day. I don't even know the hour. Hmm? Better put, our, better put our trust and our faith in the word of God. You say, what am I saying? Listen, church, we need to get to the place where we seek Jesus. Amen. See, we, you know, we, we, the church has made such a habit of seeking after everything Jesus has. Oh, I want all the finance. I want his money. I want, I want everything he has. I want his gifts. I want his healing. I want to be found. I want, I want everything Jesus can offer me. I want you. But listen, we need to stop searching after the things that Jesus has for us and start searching after Jesus. 
Oh, yeah, the, the scripture tells us, yeah, desire, covet after spiritual gifts, but not outside of him. And then we need to get to the place where we're seeking him, seeking Jesus. Then we will not get in the ditch. We will not harm the church. We're not going to harm people around us. You will see revival start breaking loose when we stop seeking after everything he has to offer and just come, come to his feet. Just come to his feet. Come seeking after him with everything that we have. Listen, you want spiritual gifts? Go hunt after Jesus. Amen. You want visions and dreams? Don't go hunt after visions and dreams. We say this all the time, right? You know, don't, don't, don't go seeking after visions and dreams because the adversary can give you visions and dreams too, right? We, we say those things, right? But listen, that's not, that's not entirely correct. We say those things to protect people. Why? So they don't seek after things that when they don't know Jesus very well. Why? Because they won't be able to discern what's him and what's not of him. But the fact of the matter is that's a promise from God. He says, he says you know, in, the, in those last days, your, 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 your sons will, will have, your sons will have visions and your old men will dream dreams. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. These are promises that God has given to his church. We ought, we ought to be hunting after these things, you know, desiring these things. But listen, don't you dare desire the things that he has without going after him. That's where we get in trouble. That's where we can't discern, you know, where, you know, if that was from God or if it wasn't from God. Was that from my mind or was that from someone? You can't discern those things because you're not hunting after him. You just want what he has. You want his stuff. Go after him. Oh, and his stuff follows. Go after him. Healing follows. Go after him. His gifts follow. Go after him. His love follows. Go after him. His compassion follows. Go after him, revival follows. But we got to be seeking after him first. It's all about him, church. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. You say, where can I learn how to do these things? I'm seeking after him. Go seek after him first. Get in the prayer closet. This is where the gifts are flowing through, through my wife and me. This is where they first flow. You, when you're in the prayer closet, desire in him and desire in what he says in his word. And prophecies start coming off you. Tongues, interpretation of tongues start coming, right? Well, well, it's not any good unless it's around people. Really? <laughs> really? Hmm? He can edify you. He can exhort you. He can comfort you without having people around you. He can train you up to when you do get around people, you're not off. You're not off. And we can help the people that are around us. Amen? So I call you into the prayer closet. I call you into intimacy. I speak forth a hunger in the name of Jesus for each and every one of you to go after him and not everything that he possesses. To go after him and not heaven. To go after him and not the riches of his glory. But as you go after him, ah, You'll be consumed with the riches of his glory by Christ Jesus. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. Begin to teach us, teach us, teach us, teach us to be people that are coming after you. Lord, if we've gotten weak, if we've gotten mild, if we've gotten off in our walk with you, if we've even just lost that hunger and thirst and haven't recognized it, Lord, I ask that you stir something up in, in each and every one in this room right now, even the people that are listening, Lord, stir something in their heart, Lord, to where they want you. They won't be satisfied where they're at. I, I, I release a dissatisfaction for where you are in the things of God, that they're satisfied with the things in the natural, but they're dissatisfied. 
with the glory that they step into when they come into your presence. Lord, may we hunger, may we thirst for more and more and more of you. Lord, we love you, we honor you. Hmm. We love you and we honor you. Lord, we take a hold of your word. As we exit out of this place, we take a hold of your word in Psalms 91 that says, No evil will befall us. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place. Lord, for you give your angels charge of us, Lord, to, to keep us in all of our ways, or we won't even bump our toe against a rock because you're so in love with us. You desire to protect us. Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is having to say so we get out of the, out of the snares, out of the traps that the adversary is setting for us. And we say dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, where we abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We'll say unto you, Lord, you are a refuge, you are a fortress, you are a God. It's in you whom we trust. For surely you shall deliver us from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. You shall cover us with your feathers under your wings, and your wings alone shall we trust. It is your truth that is our shield and our buckler. We honor you. We thank you, Lord, we're protected by any means and modes of transportation as we travel. This week... By the railways, the seaways, the airways, the motorways, or even if we're going down the walk paths, or no wicked plan from a wicked man or the devil himself shall come against us nor harm us. Why? Because we have the presence of God in us and the word on our tongues. We have the weapons of Holy Spirit to fight against anything that's coming against us. We thank you, Lord. We are the victorious of God. We thank you, Lord, even as we go put our righteous hands to labor this week. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that it becomes our missionary field. Lord, give us, give us witty ideas. Give us the ability to minister to people, heal the sick, whatever it may be that pleases you and helps them to where they can, you can be unveiled into a generation that has no clue who you are. This week, may we be an absolute miracle in someone's life. May we reap havoc in the adversary's plans and be a miracle to somebody's life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this church. We thank you for what you're building here. We thank you, Lord, for the, we thank you, Lord, for the beginnings. Hallelujah. And looking forward with great anticipation to all you're doing in us to where we can receive all that you want to do with us. We walk out of here in faith and love towards you, loving each and every one in here. Thank you, Lord, for the ambassadors of Christ. You've called each and every one of us to be thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by the blood. We are empowered by your word, and we are anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Well, glory to God.